Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to iHeartRadio Communities, a public affairs special focusing on the biggest issues impacting you this week. Here's Ryan Gorman. Thanks for joining us here on iHeartRadio Communities. I'm Ryan Gorman, and we have a very important conversation for you today involving the issue of cyberbullying. Let me get right to it and bring in my guest. I'm joined now by Maureen Molak, co-founder of the David's Legacy Foundation. You can learn more at davidslegacy.org. Maureen, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to come on the show. And I want to start with how this foundation came about. And to do that, we, of course, need to discuss your personal story involving your son, David Molak, and the cyberbullying he experienced. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, my son, David, in 2000, January of 2016, uh, died by suicide. And the month prior to David's death, he was the target of relentless and devastating cyberbullying that left him feeling helpless and hopeless. And he we call it a cyber mob. He was attacked on Instagram uh, by a group of students, and then a bunch of other people joined in. Some of those he knew, some he did not. They were uh, targeting him for his personal, his you know, making fun of his personal appearance, calling him a monkey, uh, making reference to Caesar from Planet of the Apes, told him he had AIDS. They were uh, targeting his mental health, mm. uh, and they also uh, threatened him, said, put him in a body bag, put him six feet under. Uh, if I was David Molak, I'd never come back to school. And this went on for quite some time. And that night that we found out about it, um, you know, David was just, he was just devastated. And he was crying and, uh, you know, I sat on the floor with him and that's when he showed me his phone and I saw post after post after post of what they were saying to him. And I had him take screenshots of it and I took those to the school the next day and I was working with them and to try to understand what was going on. And we felt like it was the best thing for us to do would be for to move schools because there were some some of the students that had been involved in it um, had a history. I was told they had a history there at the school, and we were fearful for his safety. Right. And so we moved schools. Uh, in hindsight, we know that probably was not the best decision. But when you're going, when you're in a crisis, yeah you are making decisions that you feel like are the best at that moment in time. And uh, he was getting help. We were sending him to therapy. He was at a new school, but by the time he got to that new school, he was already so beat down. 
And we had found out that the cyberbullying, it was not just that one Instagram uh, event. It had been going on for months, but David had not told us because he was afraid we were going to take his phone away from him. And so we, um, you know, we were trying to do everything that we possibly could to keep him safe and protect him from what was happening to him. And it was continuing. We know that cyberbullying doesn't require geographic proximity. Right. And they continued to target him. And um, the night before he died by suicide, he had been included into a group me with a bunch of phone numbers that he did not know that he did not have in his phone. And they said very insulting messages to him. And then they kicked him out of that group me. And um, that's when he died by suicide. So the people who were responsible for the cyber bullying, did he know them? I know some of them went to, the school that he attended, but, but how did this start? Were you ever able to get a sense as to uh, when this first bubbled up? We know that it first bubbled up over uh, jealousy over a girlfriend. Mm. And there was a small group of boys that just could not understand why in the world this girl uh, was with my son. Right. And then it just started to be like a joke to all of them. And they continued to do it over months before it just got to this big Instagram where it all blew up. That's when, you know, we, we found out about it and, you know, then we moved schools, but then it didn't, it, it it went underground. Right. Because it had been brought out into the light. The school knew about it. The students were being called in. David was leaving school. So it was getting there was a lot of buzz around what was happening to him, not just from the students at school, but the parents knew about it. Parents found out about it Um, there. And. um, But, yeah, there were some people that just chimed in to that Instagram post that didn't even know David. Sure. You know, that's how it works, right? I mean, it starts pile being on. shared. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a pile on. It starts being shared by people outside of your circle if it's made public. So you had all of these people that David didn't even know, hundreds of people making comments anywhere from just really innocuous emoji, laughing emojis to this is LOL, this is so effing good, to the really serious comments of put him in a body bag, put, let's put him six feet under. Um, and so it just ran the gamut. And in David's mind, the, everybody, every, the whole world hated him. I yeah, mean, that is humiliating. what was going through his mind. Yeah, it was humiliating. And he felt like he couldn't ever get away from it. Like he felt like it was going to live out there forever. And that was going to define him. We're joined by Maureen Molak, co-founder of the David's Legacy Foundation. You can learn more at davidslegacy.org. Did you ever connect with the parents of the kids who were responsible for these cyberbullying attacks? And also, 
the school, the, the first school, before you switch schools, what did staff there have to say? Because, look, this is a situation that so many, unfortunately, families are going to be able to relate to uh, who are listening to this across the country. Yes, we did. We went to the school and the school was really trying really hard to help us. And, you know, back at that point, right, this is 2015, actually, when it October 15, when we first went to the school, you know, we didn't have, schools didn't have authority to, explicit authority to investigate cyberbullying that occurred off campus. Um, and so there, they were a little, uh, hands were a little tied. Yeah. Right. Because they were trying to tread real lightly on what they could do legally in in taking action in this particular situation because it did happen outside of school hours. And so, you know, you know, one of the comments that was made to me during that period of time from the school administrator is that we can keep him safe while he's here, but we can't protect him. Right. And that, for a parent to hear that, that mm-hmm. was so frightening for me to hear that. And I was, of course, thinking the worst because I was hearing that there were some of these, like I said, some of these kids had a history uh, of some other behavior that had been very concerning um, to the school. And so, you know, we made the best decision that we could at the time. I will say that there were a couple of kids that were involved in it that came to us afterwards and either apologized or came and made some excuse as Mm. to they weren't directing that towards David. They were directing that towards somebody else, but you know, whatever. Yeah. And then, um, but what was really heartbreaking for us were the students that saw it happening, did not make any comments, but were watching it all unfold. And after David died, those kids and their parents came to us and told us that their kids had gone to their parents that night of the Instagram and had shown their parents their phone and said, look what they're doing to David. And their parents told their children, don't get involved. Right. It may turn on you. Yeah, that's, and with that's the, the fear. Grief, yeah, yeah, their grief and their sorrow and the, just the guilt that they felt for not doing more at that time to help David in his time of distress. And that will stay with them forever. As this was happening, before you were first made aware by David of the Instagram post, before it really blew up, were you able to tell that something was going on in his personal life? Yeah, that's a great question. Yes, we did. We saw some signs. He was uh, erratic, you know, had erratic sleep patterns. Uh, He was starting to not want to go to school. Uh, His online life was changing. There would be times where he would be online all the time, and there would be days where we wouldn't even see him with his phone in his hand. 
so that we did, there were some signs that we saw. And you know what's really difficult for parents uh, that, of course, didn't grow up with technology is understanding all of the ins and outs of it. And um, Well, that's the thing. When I was growing up, look, when all of us were growing up, there was bullying that took place. But this is just so different. There's never a break from the bullying for some of these kids who are the targets of attacks. Right. That's exactly, that's exactly right. So you were saying there were some changes in terms of how David was handling his phone and his social media presence being online. Anything else that stood out just for parents to hear so they can be aware of these potential signs, perhaps in their own children who may be going through something similar? Yeah, so I always tell parents that you know, you're going to know your child better than anybody. And if you sense anything is wrong, you need to go and get some help. Talk to somebody about it. You know, the first line of defense is to go to your pediatrician. Ask them, talk to them about what, you know, you're seeing some signs. You're not really sure what's going on because most of us as parents are not mental health providers. We don't have the, you know, we don't really know. But all we do know is that, Something's just not right with our kids. And it's hard to know. Is this just typical teenage angst? Yeah, right. Or is there really something going on with our kids? And getting some medical advice uh, is key to being able to keep our kids safe, especially in this world that we're living in today with this, you know, the access to technology and all of the information that they have available to them and all of the things that they are exposed to online, our kids are growing up so much faster than, than past generations have. And so we have to rethink about the way that we parent today. And it, it means that we have to really be clued in on how our kids are feeling. I'm Ryan Gorman, joined by Maureen Molak, co-founder of the David's Legacy Foundation. You can learn more about all the great work they're doing at davidslegacy.org. I hate to ask this, but I think it is really important leading up to the moment when David took his own life. You were now aware of the Instagram post. You're aware of what was happening. You tried to make some changes, including changing schools did you have a sense it was headed down that dark road or can you, can you give us a little insight into that period? Yes, um, absolutely. He, uh, David had two suicide attempts before his third and final attempt. Mm. So we knew that he was in a very dark place and we were trying, I mean, we I, we were reaching out to everybody, anybody that would help us. We hospitalized him. He was on medication. Uh, he had developed a serious case of uh, just anxiety um, and was, you know, depressed, obviously. And um, step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VTW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You know, we were doing everything that we, possi- we, we possibly could do at the time. So, yes, we, we, we knew um, that he was in a, in a really dark place. So, unfortunately, the worst happens. But then you took action. Talk to us about the creation of the David's Legacy Foundation and how you're able. I find it so incredible, um, people like you who are able to come out of such a horrific, tragic situation and just focus in on helping others and trying to make sure this doesn't happen to other people. Uh, Just talk a little bit about that, uh, where that came from. Did you always feel like you were capable of this or where'd you get the strength to do what you're doing? No, I think the most um, active that I ever was in the political realm was voting um, (laughs) on a regular basis. But, um, you know, after David died, of course, it took me months before I could even think about anything. I mean, like I was just walking through this fog of, um, I just kept thinking I was going to wake up that this couldn't be real. Like this is could not be real. This really didn't happen. And after, you know, months of, of that, and I finally um, kind of drifted out of that fog, my husband and my older sons were already going down the path of working on legislation. They wanted to give parents tools that didn't exist uh, that we needed when we were trying to get help through law enforcement, through the school, um, to be able to address cyberbullying. And we worked with our, our state senator, Jose Menendez, here in San Antonio, Texas. And uh, we started uh, going down that path of, of creating policy and talking to any stakeholder that would be impacted by this type of legislation and we wanted to know what needed, where the holes were and what was needed. Um, My oldest son was in medical school at the time. He did a lot of research on what the various states' laws were and we took pieces um, from various laws and then we, we crafted our own provisions and we came up with a very comprehensive bill that addressed the uh, education code, the civil code, and the criminal code in Texas, the penal code. And we wanted to give parents, educators, and law enforcement tools that didn't exist. And that's what we did. We were successful. We passed David's Law in our first session of working on it in 2017. And that's an accomplishment, Um, I will tell you. That that doesn't always (laughs) happen where legislation gets introduced and passed right away. That's incredible. No, it doesn't. And my husband and I would take turns going to Austin every week and we would have meetings set up and we met with every senator office or the senator themselves and state rep as many of the state reps as we possibly could during that period of time texas only had their legislative session is only about five and a half months long every other year so we did not have a lot of time 
to advocate for this. But um, as I mentioned, we had a lot of people behind us, supporting us, and legislators were behind us. They all knew it was a problem, and they weren't really sure how we were going to deal with it. But, you know, we came out, we, you know, we were able to, to get some strong tools in place. And it really just created the framework for us to build on that, which we've done the last uh, couple of sessions here in Texas. And, you know, one of the things that uh, when we first started working on this in 2017, we knew that the social media companies, uh, they needed to have a responsibility in this. And unfortunately, at that time, um, in, in this time that we live in today, they have um, bottomless pockets yeah. and they were lobbying um, behind closed doors against some provisions in David's law that we had to pull out in order to be able to get it passed. Unbelievable. But yeah, but times have changed and... Uh, this year in you know 2023 we just closed out our session and we were able to help advocate for a bill here in Texas that actually holds social media companies um, it gives them some responsibility uh, to prevent and mitigate harm to uh, minors online. We're joined now by Maureen Molak, co-founder of the David's Legacy Foundation, which you can find online at davidslegacy.org. So what are some of the provisions that you felt were really important to put into law in order to help protect kids from cyberbullying and help families and schools deal with this issue that I think is much more prevalent than some people realize? Yeah, I think the most important thing that we wanted to make to make sure was that schools had the explicit authority to investigate and take action against cyberbullying if it occurred off campus, but it materially, you know, impacted the school day or it affected a child's ability to be able to learn or go to school. So that that was probably the most important thing for us because what we were hearing from superintendents in Texas was that uh, when they would confront the parents of a alleged cyber bully, the parents would say, um, well, you don't have jurisdiction over that. Uh, that didn't happen on your school campus. Mm. And so with David's law, now they can say, but yes, we do. We have authority to be able to do that because we have a child whose mental health uh, is impacted and they cannot learn, and they cannot go to school, and so we can take action. And so it gives, you know, a lot of uh, flexibility for schools on how they take that action, Um, but they do have the authority to be able to do that. It also required schools to uh, notify the parents of the the target of the cyberbullying, as well as the alleged perpetrator, um, within a period of time, so three days for the for the target, and it's uh, a reasonable amount of time for the perpetrator 
And also, all of the bystanders, parents, also need to understand, uh, um, need to be notified of what occurred and what their child, because we know that it impacts everybody yep. um, who sees that. And so, in a school community, um, how that can affect a, a student who sees it and felt and feels helpless, just like in the case of David, right? So you had those students who were watching it happen and didn't really did not know what to do. And the parents really didn't know what to do either um, in that or knew what the appropriate response in that situation could be. So, you know, those are, those are probably the most important things. We, um, we increased the, uh, the penalties in the criminal statute. Uh, and we also provided for a civil remedy, which is uh, where a parent can get an injunction against a cyberbully, but also uh, the cyberbully's parent, which requires the parents to make the child stop the behavior. And then it gives, and if they don't, then it gives the judge, uh, you know, latitude to impose additional, uh, you know, consequences in these types of behavior. And we have found that that has been very successful in Texas. It has opened up the door for um, us to create a new program called the Don't Bully Me Project, which I say it's new. It's not really new. We started it right after um, David's law passed. But um, it's grown so much. You know, we started off with just a few families that were reaching out to us for support. And we had a small team of volunteer attorneys that were taking on these cases. And as it grew and grew and grew, we saw the need to expand the program. And um, we've expanded. I have four legal aid providers across the state of Texas that take these cases on a pro bono basis for us. And they connect to them with volunteer attorneys. Uh, Most of the time, our attorneys, volunteer attorneys, are able to send a cease and desist letter to the parents of the perpetrators. And once they get that letter, that's when they realize what's going on and they make their child stop because they understand, oh my gosh, at this point, I may end up having to go to court. I may have to hire an attorney. That's going to mean money out of my pocket. I am going to make my child stop, you know? And so we have found it's been extremely successful. Like 99% of the time it's successful. And I don't know, many programs that can really tout that great of a success rate. So yeah, you have some incredible statistics on the website as to how this uh, work that you've been doing has impacted cyberbullying in the state of Texas. Final question for you, for those listening who want to support the work that you're doing, how can they do that? And I'm sure there are people all across the country who are listening and saying, What's going on in Texas? We need that in my state. How can they work to make that happen? And are you uh, looking at doing this at a more uh, national level, at a federal level? Yes, absolutely we are. And last year I started working with some um, other nonprofits across the United States. And we uh, have been advocating for the Kids Online Safety Act which is similar to the, to the law that we passed here in Texas, HB 18, this past session. But it would actually, you know, it's federal legislation, so it would impact everybody across the United States. And, you know, 
the bill has been filed in the Senate. We are hoping uh, Senator uh, Blackburn has is been is our sponsor of that bill, and he wants to have COSA passed before the kids return to school in the fall, which means we don't have a lot of time. And so we are asking all parents across the United States to write, call, ask for a meeting uh, to their state senate to their excuse me to their U.S. senators and ask them to co-sponsor COSA. And if they have already co-sponsored COSA, and 33 senators already have signed on to the bill, which is amazing, um, then we ask them, you know, just to encourage their colleagues in the Senate, yeah. those who haven't joined in, to, to join in. And, um, and if you're in Washington, uh, we're asking our Washington friends to contact Maria Cantwell, let her, her, her office, let them know um, that we want her to take a vote on COSA. She is the committee chair for the Senate Commerce Committee, which is where this bill is. And if you're uh, a Texan like me, to contact Ted Cruz uh, in his office. And also, he's the rank, he is the ranking member in that committee and we need to have that vote and we would like to see that sometime this month. We need to get the ball rolling um, on this bill. We don't have time to waste. And real quick, people can also donate on your website to help make sure you're able to continue to do the work you're doing, right? Yes, absolutely. It helps with our work in in the schools here in Texas. It helps, helps us be able to expand across the United States. Uh, our website is davidslegacy.org. And if anybody has any questions, um, you know, they can follow up with us at info at davidslegacy.org or another organization that I work closely with is fairplayforkids.org. Um, and if they want some information on COSA, they can go to, also to their website and link them directly to their to their senators and give them the tools that they need to be able to contact them. Maureen Molak, co-founder of the David's Legacy Foundation. Again, you can learn more and support the work the foundation's doing at davidslegacy.org. Maureen, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing your personal story and for all the extremely important work you're doing on the cyberbullying issue. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate the opportunity. Take care. All right, you as well. And that's going to do it for this edition of iHeartRadio Communities. I want to thank all of you for listening. I'm your host, Ryan Gorman. We'll talk to you again real soon. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.